Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us for another Anchor at Home. Today I want us to begin by revisiting a few verses from the passage of Scripture that we actually read out of Isaiah chapter 59 last week. If you remember in this passage, Isaiah is actually describing the culture that he was living in at the time. So let's look at it once again, starting in verse 7. It says, Their feet run to evil, and they rush to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of wickedness, of sin, of injustice, of wrongdoing. Devastation and destruction are in their highways. Because of that, listen to what verse 8 says. It says, They do not know the way of peace. And then it goes on to say, They have made them, talking about their lifestyle, uh, into crooked paths, Whoever walks on them or follows their ways does not know peace. Therefore, justice is far from us and righteousness does not overtake us. We expectantly hope for light, but only see darkness. We hope for a gleam of light, but we walk in darkness and gloom. In this passage, the prophet Isaiah is not only describing a culture that has lost its sense of righteousness, but he is also describing a culture that is absent of God's peace. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read what Isaiah wrote here, I am reminded immediately how contrary the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness really are. On one hand, the kingdom of light is marked by peace, unity, order, stability, justice, and rest. While on the other hand, the kingdom of darkness is marked by turmoil, division, chaos, instability, and unrest with a good bit of hate, agitation, and frustration mixed in. The reason for this contradiction is simple. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So when Jesus is honored in society, His very nature will saturate every aspect of that culture. But when a society of people turn their hearts away from Him, as in Isaiah's day, everything opposite of who He is will freely flood into that culture. Now, this may sound strong, but we would have to be spiritually blind and deaf to not see that large portions of our nation fall under the second category at this moment. We know this is true because there are significant pieces of our society that clearly lack God's peace. For this reason, I would like for us to turn our attention to what I believe is the most underrated piece of a believer's armor, and that is the shoes of peace. More specifically, I want to take the next few minutes and talk about arming ourselves with peace. As we prepare to dive into this subject of peace, I want to make something really clear off the top. There's a huge difference between being at peace with God and walking in the peace of God. For example, the first type of peace, which is being at peace with God, is the kind of peace we experience at the moment of our salvation. So often when someone surrenders their life or commits their life to Jesus, we'll hear people say, uh, I, I feel like a, a burden has been lifted off my back. 
What they're actually experiencing at that moment is the hostility or the barrier between them and God is being broken or being lifted off their lives in that moment, which allows for the peace of God or the harmony of God to fill their hearts. That peace becomes a reality or we could say a confirmation to them as they move from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. That is why the Apostle Paul wrote this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and verse 20. It says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Who is Him? It's talking about Jesus here. And then it says, And through Him to reconcile all things to Himself. This is the key part to underline here. Having made peace through the blood of His cross. So as you can see, it is through salvation we experience peace with God. In addition to that, the second type of peace, which is the peace of God, is the kind of peace every believer can and should be experiencing on a continual basis. This kind of peace not only protects our hearts, but it also leads us in a supernatural way through life. This type of peace, when it is followed, can actually become a weapon against the kingdom of darkness. In fact, it was this kind of peace that the Apostle Paul was referring to when he wrote Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and 18. This has been our core scripture for the past few weeks, and I want to read it again. It says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place. And it says in verse 15, this is our key verse for the day. It says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It goes on to say, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can distinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions. To further highlight verse 15, the Amplified puts it this way. It says, And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace and preparation, watch this, to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. I personally like the way the Amplify puts it because it quickly removes this uh, typical stereotype about peace that is often associated with tranquility where everything kind of just seems easy and quiet and passive because as you'll see in a moment, that is definitely not the type of peace that God is wanting us to put on right now in this day we're living in. All right, as we shift gears here a bit, in my opinion, if we're going to put on the type of peace God is warning us to, then it is imperative for us to understand what armor, especially in this case, what shoes of peace are designed to do in our lives. For this to happen, I think we need to turn our attention one more time to the Roman soldier that Paul no doubt had in his mind when he was writing this portion of Scripture. It's true that historians and theologians alike tell us this. They tell us that the Roman soldiers' shoes weren't anything like the kind of shoes that you and I are accustomed to wearing. In fact, you know, there were nothing like a, a pair of Nike running shoes or a pair of work boots or something like that, mainly because of this, because they were made out of brass but also because they were primarily composed of two parts. The first part was called the grieve, and the second part would have been what we would typically refer to or typically consider as the shoe itself. 
All right, let's take a moment and look more deeply at what the grieve might have looked like. It is said that the grieve was a beautiful piece of crafted metal that began at the top of the knee and extended down past the lower leg until it rested on the upper portion of the foot. They said it was fashioned from a a tube-like sheet of metal that had been specifically formed to fit around the shin and the calf. We could even say the, the front and the back of the Roman soldier's leg, causing the soldier's shoe to look more like a boot that was made out of brass. As for the shoe itself, it was made of two pieces of brass, one on top, one on bottom, that were actually linked and held together by thick straps of leather. Now, what made the soldier's shoe so unique was this, is that on the bottom of his shoe, they fastened or they attached spikes that were no less than an inch long. And it is even said that as they would begin to uh, prepare for battle or for, for active combat, that their spikes were anywhere between one inch even to three inches long. So altogether, a Roman soldier's greaves and shoes were really designed for three areas in mind. And I want to go through those three areas here over the next few minutes. The first one was this. The first area that it was designed for was for protection. More often than not, when a group of Roman soldiers were given a mission, it would cause them to walk through difficult, rough, unfriendly terrain that could have potentially been filled with, you know, sharp rocks or thick and even thorny brush. And let us not forget that when in the heat of the battle, one of the known strategies of their enemy was to take out their legs so they could actually get them down on the ground where it was harder for the soldier to defend himself uh, properly, which obviously made him easier to kill and to take out the battle. In both cases, the, the soldier's greaves and shoes were intentionally designed to protect their legs from being bruised, cut, or broken as they traveled, and more importantly, uh, as they fought in a battle. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you're wondering, how does this relate to my life? In my opinion, if you have settled in your heart that your life isn't your own, meaning that you've told God, God, I will go wherever you want me to go. God, I will do whatever you want me to do. God, I will say whatever you want me to say. If you have settled in your heart today that you want to do great things for God, then rest assured like a Roman soldier, your commander in chief will give you missions and assignments that are not only challenging, but they will also lead you to what is considered to be spiritually difficult, spiritually rough, and even spiritually unfriendly terrain where your enemy, the devil, will do his absolute best to defeat you by making you immobile and ineffective mentally and emotionally. Now, I might be wrong when I say this, but the last time I checked, spiritual victories are never won in our comfort zone. It's because of this reason it is imperative that we arm ourselves with the peace of God so that we can be protected from the schemes and the plans of the enemy. Please listen, guys. I can honestly testify to you today that when you are walking in the peace of God, there will be times you won't even realize how difficult your mission and your assignment really is. It's kind of funny because it's like other people will notice, but you won't. And the reason is simply because of this is because even in the midst of your challenge, God's supernatural peace will protect or fortify your life from the mental and emotional attacks of the enemy. That literally that his peace will keep you from being influenced and swayed by the evil that surrounds you. How can we be so sure about this? Because the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, I love this verse. It says, you keep him in 
perfect peace whose mind, this is the key part, is stayed on you. In other words, that your mind is stayed on God. You're focused on God. Your heart is completely 100% uh, committed to Him. And we know that Philippians actually echoes the same truth in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You've probably heard it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. It says this, it says, Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. Listen to verse 7, it's the key part. It says, and the peace of God, the peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. I love that last part, is yours, it's ours. Now here's what's so amazing about both of these scriptures. The biblical language in both of them actually reinforce our point perfectly. Here's why I say that. Because in biblical language, it actually describes a band of Roman soldiers who are standing watch over something that is special and important that needs to be protected. In the same way, I think you and I can be confident that as our hearts stay relationally connected to God, that His peace will stand watch over our hearts and our minds. That's definitely something that's special and important, that he, literally that He will stand watch over us, keeping us safe, defending us from anxiety, from fear, from worry, from lies, from deception, and ultimately from the influence of the enemy. In short, when we are immersed in the peace of God, Rather than the enemy paralyzing us, the peace of God, which is actually inside of us, will paralyze the devil's influence in our lives. The second reason the Roman soldiers' greaves or shoes were designed was to bring, number two, stability. You know, when we begin to consider a Roman soldier's greaves and shoes, it is obvious that this isn't a picture of some loose-fitting shoe that easily flopped around as they moved. Rather, it is the picture of a shoe that would have been bound extremely tight around their lower leg and their foot. Then when you actually begin to add the spikes that were attached to the bottom of their shoe, it's very easy to see that these shoes were designed to provide a soldier with the firm footing he would need in the midst of a battle, especially as the enemy would try to slam into him or try to push him or knock him uh, around and knock him off of balance. So as you can expect, when a soldier would have firmly planted his long spikes in the soil of a battlefield, it would have been very difficult to move them, much less knock them over. The reason this is so important for us to understand is because if we realize it or not, it is not the will of God that every time we hit a difficult spot in life where the enemy tries to come and knock us out off of balance by pushing us or shoving us mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually, that we give in, that we give up, or we retreat back to our comfort zone. Quite the opposite is true, guys. Literally, God desires to give us a supernatural peace that will firmly plant our feet in the soil of His Word. This peace will enable us to say, regardless of what I see or hear, the peace of God will hold me in this place. Literally, where we can say, I am not moving. Literally, where we go, regardless of how hard it becomes and what my emotions are telling me, the peace of God will keep me. So once again, I am not moving. I may not understand what's going on. I may not even have all the answers, but I choose to dig in and trust the peace that God has given me. I'm going to trust my foundation. 
Listen, I can tell you today from experience that the peace of God will hold you in place just like the roots of a tree hold a tree in place in the midst of a storm. So if you're taking notes today, just simply jot this down mentally or physically that the peace of God is a keeping peace. I can promise you that. So let's do our best to dig our feet into the soil of God's word today that says this. In Psalms 18, verse 33, he said, He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. And then he says three verses later in verse 36, You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. Why? Because the peace of God will bring stability in our lives. The third reason the Roman soldiers' greaves or shoes were designed was to bring, number three, was to bring movement. Biblically, we know feet often represent movement and authority, among many other things. But with that in mind, I want us to actually take a second and think about how critical a soldier's movement is in battle. In fact, an army's tactics and strategies in battle depend largely on the ability, uh, on their ability to move from one position to the next. I want you to know this is true of God's army as well. Please hear me, guys, when I say this. The success of God's kingdom in this hour depends largely on the body of Christ's ability to move with heaven's tactics and strategies. Now, maybe you're sitting here thinking, how will I know if I am moving correctly? How will I know if, you know, if I'm headed in the right direction? How will I know what to say or what to do? I want you to know today that we can be very thankful and grateful that God has given each one of us an inner witness, a.k.a. the peace of God that is connected to a huge thing called our discernment so that you and I can know if our movements are in sync with his directives or not. With that said, we must remember that this is not only the gospel that takes us to heaven, but it is also the one that guides our forward movement and mission, that literally it is indeed the the peace of God that helps us navigate through the circumstances of life, that helps us maneuver around and through the attacks of the enemy, and ultimately that will lead us to do the will of God and fulfill the purpose and the plan of God for our lives. Church, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say, please. Over the years, I have witnessed far too many believers shipwreck their lives because they have ignored the lack of peace that has been in their spirit. Listen, I've watched people literally ignore what they know to be true about God's way, God's heart, God's word, because for some reason they want to be culturally accepted or because they uh, just want to fulfill some fleshly desire that they have. And I want you to know from experience, every time people do that, it does not turn out well. And so listen today, if I could just add a thought just so you can understand how God moves and God operates and how God speaks to us. I want you to know today that when you are pursuing an intimate relationship with God, that God's truth will never, ever, ever, ever violate the peace that you have in your heart. And the reason is, is because if God violates that peace, He begins to be opposite or contrary to who He is in our lives. Remember, once again, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Therefore, you and I should have the maturity and the wisdom about us that we would never violate that peace as well. So I'm here to tell you today that when you listen to that peace, you will literally hit the target every time with where God wants you to be in His will and His purpose for your life. 
to make sure that this actually happens in our lives, I believe we all need to heed the words of the Apostle Paul out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. He said this, he said, and let the peace of God, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. In other words, Paul is saying, let the peace of God that resides within us. Here's actually what it means in the Greek language. Let it be the referee that calls the shots and makes all the decisions in our lives instead of our flesh and our emotions. Gang, the simple point I want to make to you today, when we begin to, uh, you know, literally let the peace of God rule our lives, say, yes, it protects us. Yes, it brings stability, but it brings movement. And when we actually begin to get to the point where the peace of God is the deciding factor in our lives, that movement that happens in our lives will cause us to be prepared and will cause us to be equipped and cause us to be anointed to share the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. It will literally help us fulfill the mission of why God has sent us out and anointed us. We know this is true because Romans chapter 10 verse 15 says this. It says, how beautiful are the feet or the movement of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So guys, let me close with this. Man, if, out of everything you heard, I want you to please remember that the peace of God is, yes, there to uh, bring a calmness in our heart, calmness in our spirit in times of trouble. But as you can see from today, the peace of God is also something that gives us direction to move forward. So listen, I just want to remind all of us today that, yes, there's still work to be done. God is still wanting to move. He's still wanting to change lives. And so it's up to us as born-again, spirit-filled believers to hear the voice of God and to do what our commander-in-chief is asking us to do. So on that note, let's pray and we'll be done. Father, we thank you today that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And we thank you today that through salvation that he has came and he has made his home in us. And Father, when he came and made his home in us, God, not only did he give us a mission, but he also anointed us to be peacemakers. And so, Father, I pray, God, for every man and every woman, for every child today, God, that's filled with your spirit, God, that's born again. Father, I pray that they would heed the call and they would respond to be peacemakers in this season, this hour. So, Lord, thank you. God, for just obedience, filling the hearts of your people. God, we thank you, Lord, that yes, you're protecting us. Yes, you're bringing stability. But God, above all, God, let us move with your spirit in this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us again for another Anchor at Home. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.